Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on July the 10th of 2019. I am Nick, and this is Chris, and we have manga to talk about today. Do we not? Yes, so I've heard. I have several tabs open. I've not inspected them, but I'm going to guess, because they all have a Weekly Shonen Jump logo on it, that they have manga involved. Can you imagine if we hosted this show and... uh... Like let's say that you know we set things up ahead of time and then wipe our brains of all manga knowledge and then are just like giving instructions to talk about the chapters that are open. I do you think that that show would be entertaining at all? Do you think if we just thought, what the fuck is this guy with the stretchy arms? <laughs> you know, I imagine it would be very amusing to a certain portion of the audience who are just like, it's very amusing seeing people who know nothing about manga talk about manga. And then the other half of them are just like, talk about how cool Asta was this week, dickhead, which are messages I get rather frequently. So that wouldn't have changed anyway, then. Yeah. So honestly, it's about the same thing. Great, great idea. Okay, we'll work on the mind wiping technology, and uh, we'll get back to you guys well, on that. I was, gonna, I was almost gonna like say this joke. I was like, we don't have to mind wipe us. We just get like you, you get like uh, someone in our family who's no connection to it, and I almost like we get our moms, and then I remembered who my mom was. <laughs> I was just like, what would a podcast of my mom be like? And, oh, it just went down a rabbit hole in my mind, Nick. So, that's where I'm at. By the way, uh, before we started up the episode, uh, we had a a, a small Skype issue. uh, So, we Mm. had to hang up the call and restart it. And when I did... Smaller than a lot of Skype issues we have. Yeah, this one was corrected almost immediately. uh, Which I preface this by saying I I sent in a complaint to Skype. What happened? Because they brought in that, like, how was the call quality thing afterwards? So, I was like, one star. And then asked, like, oh, what was wrong with it? And I was like, person couldn't see me. And it just reminded me how when all my friends were playing Fallout 76 when it launched, uh, the game would constantly crash. Because it was a Bethesda (laughs) game that was massively multiplayer online, so it constantly was was crashing. And every time it crashed on the PS4, you'd be sent to a screen, and it'd be like, what happened? Send, Send us a message. And me and my friends, every single time, would just type in, for what happened, it just works and sent it in. And I have to assume they got like 700 messages of like a crash report from Fallout 76. The only message says it just works over and over again. <laughs> I'm confused. Aren't these supposed to be issues that we can correct? <laughs> I said, no, it's fine. <laughs> just works. That's what Todd Howard said, man. I guess there's nothing we can do. Look. All these people have been complaining about how it's buggy, how we just reused aspects from the previous game. Hence, it still has all the same bugs, which we didn't correct, despite having the same program to work off of. But these guys in Pennsylvania, they say it works. So it just just works, guys. Look at all these crash reports we got from them (laughs) saying it works. (laughs) All these things we can only get when our system crashes and fails. It says it's fine. Yeah. Obviously, I take them at their word. Exactly. All right, Chris, we have manga to talk about this week. Do we? All right, We cool. do. I was I worried mean, we we're going to have to end the episode immediately. I mean, we don't, I didn't, we didn't have a, I don't know, a, a game of, what was it that we played that one time? Go. The, 
go yeah we don't have the go online game so that uh, people who actually know how to play the game can watch it and be like these guys have no idea how to play didn't, uh, I, didn't I accidentally win i was like you I guess th- won. I, yeah my, but i don't think it was intentional i think it was just like ah, i think nick won and i played a square and it like flipped over like 80 and i was like oh sweet i'm the best i'm the king like, ah shit <laughs> <laughs> i'm retiring from go undefeated and there was that one time when we played uh uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, and I played uh, I played a mostly casual deck, and someone made you like what was it like a? I don't I remember where there were hands. There were a, fire hands and ice something. hands or something like that, and it was gross. And I won on like turn four. It's very so, times. I was, yes. Anyway, let's talk about uh, my Hero Academia, Chris. Okay. Let's you didn't it. have it last week, Mm-mm. so um, presumably this entire time, uh, Shigaraki has just been looking at his now two-fingered hand going, Aah! That's why. The last chapter would have been 19 straight pages of Shigaraki being like, Ow! <laughs> Ow! <laughs> just kind of like, Oh. Rude. Jerk. Why'd you do that? <laughs> we... Begin chapter number 234, Sense Destruction, with uh, a little quote that Redestro has. Uh, Let's not judge people by their quirks, which is from a children's book in the MHA universe uh, called Quirks and Us. You see people who who are like, you know, animal people. They're they're getting along with each other and holding hands. And there's a big demon child who's bandaging up a normal little girl's knee. It's like, oh, it's so nice. It's very sweet. And Redester says, yeah, it's a good lesson. Don't don't judge people by their quirks. But here's why you should judge people by their quirks. (laughs) It's just immediately. It's a good lesson. Anyway, here's the problem with that. (laughs) So about that. Uh, and he says that Shigaraki's quirk, of course, destroys anything he touches with all five fingers, you know, and of course, that this leads to his personality. You can just destroy everything around you. So what can you build with that? You are just a hollow man who creates nothing, a man who indulges in destruction. And Shigaraki, presumably experiencing heavy trauma uh, at this point. Uh, it triggers more of his memories. Uh, Sorry, I'm, remember- I'm, I'm distracted for a moment because I'm reading how uh, Destro was like, there's a clear link between personality and meta ability. And I'm thinking back to when I was in uh, grade school still and my friend, this is when Static Shock was airing. Yes. It's like every character in Static Shots, their, like, their power connects to who they are. So like a uh, hot streak or whatever. He was like, well, he's a hothead. He's very fiery. He's got a thing. Sure, sure. And he's like sure. slipstream. He's like, he's kind of bobace. He's a big bag of wind, you could say. You know, and uh, Ebon, he, he's dark. He likes to hide from people. He is the shadows. And I remember asking, I was like, what about the guy whose powers to turn his hand into like different knives? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 it was like he had an elaborate thing. Like the heartbeat girl, he's like, well, she sees herself as, as an outcast. So she sees her, she's become this monster. So in a way, but she's still something that's beautiful. She just doesn't see it. And I was like, what about the guy who turns his hand into knives? I don't know. 
I think yeah, it eventually reaches the point is that I mean, there's like a different villain on every single show. So <laughs> it was like, you know, Virgil's got an electric personality and he's he's very sharp. And it's like, oh, those guys like having knives for hands. <laughs> the knives on his hand represent how he has knives in his hands. <laughs> I remember very few episodes of that show. Like, I don't remember any, like, standard episodes. I remember, like, the Justice League crossover episodes. The first couple where, you know, he he debuts. And I remember, like, the very special episode with the kid who brings a gun to school. There were a lot of, like, special episodes. Look. Static Shock is one of the best TV cartoon TV shows of the 2000s. It was great. Yeah. As much as I talk about Jackie Chan Adventures, it's because I had talismans, like physical objects for me to obsess over like a fucking child. But Static Shock was legitimately a very well-written show. And I am immensely and forever will be annoyed that he only appeared in Justice League once to die in an episode. And granted, he didn't truly die. He was erased from history as they fixed the timeline. But it still annoyed me because he was super cool in that episode. Like, he looked cool, but they didn't give him anything cool to do. He just kind of died. Yeah, they killed Terry in that episode, too. But he got to show up in the one finale Uh and get closure and stuff. So there you go. Anyway, so these flashbacks that Shigaraki has. uh, We see the bit where uh, All for One talks to him while giving him the hands that belong to his family members. And he's. You imagine this just like, you know, it's not like this kid, this kid decided, like, I'm going to keep all their hands. You know, all for one was like, here's all their hands. You should wear them. <laughs> what a weirdo. Um, And he says, you know, these are your mother's hands, your grandmother's, your grandfather's, your father's. He says the human heart is an incredible thing. Left alone, it will heal itself. It will heal itself of rage, grief and all those negative emotions. But I always want you to keep them close to you so that those feelings never fade. This guy's a good guy. Yeah, he's just helping this kid out. He's like, hold on to this rage so that you can kill everyone. There's a good kid. Yeah. We see some of the memories that Shigaraki has of his uh, older sister, Hana, uh, who. And then later on, we also see some memories of like his mother, of his grandparents, and I think that the idea that we're supposed to be getting is that Shigaraki was always a bit troubled in some way or another. Because um, we don't see anything that he has really done uh, that leads to the lines that these people are saying. But like his mother is worried because his eyes have been rubbed ragged. Uh, his sister is saying like, hey, you shouldn't have said that, you know, you should just do like I do. I'm going to I'm telling daddy that I want to be a bride someday, you know, act normal, basically. Uh, and his you know, grandparents would tell him like, hey, you know, you know, chin up, you're you're going to make your you're, you're going to make a sad here has some of your favorite food. They're always trying to comfort him and help him out. But Shigaraki ends up saying to himself what I need them to tell me was, and he doesn't finish that sentiment. There is set up for something that we don't get revealed in this chapter. So I kind of need to find out what the fuck that is before I form an opinion on what's going on in this, in these flashbacks and stuff. But there's definitely like an incomplete picture of something uh, that hints towards, Hey, 
we don't really know the full story with this kid just from what All for One has told us. In case you didn't suspect that. Wait a minute. Hold on. Do you think All for One's maybe not been telling us the whole truth about his plans and that there mm-hmm. might be something more to what he's attending? I don't know. I mean, like, you'd think that he would just, you know, be upfront about that kind of thing. What, like, a, what a jerk. So these are my insidious machinations. Come on. Just be honest. It's the most that's the most frustrating thing, Chris. It's not that he's doing a bad thing. It's that when, you know, you find him doing the bad thing, he's just not honest with you about it. And you gotta go through all, you know, in a roundabout circle trying to drag it out of him. And it's I'll be way less mad with you if you're just honest with me, and then we can actually address what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Come on. Yeah. Someone needs to have uh to take all for one to couples therapy? I'm not sure who we'll go with. I guess I, I guess it has to be All Might. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Redestro uh, continues to crush Shigaraki's hand. And while saying, you know, because you can never build anything, you only destroy everything. Uh, you will never measure up to me. Uh, in response... Shigaraki clutches his remaining fingers around the giant finger that is crushing his hand and the hand starts to crumble and disintegrate and Redestro throws him away before he he can cause any further damage. Uh, And so he's like, wait a minute, I thought that he needed to grasp all five fingers to activate his his ability. Is this bad information? Meanwhile, Shigaraki's going, (laughs) it hurts. Um, and he continues to experience his flashbacks while Redestro analyzes that his ability is continuing to evolve. He's awakening, uh, and he realizes, oh, this guy is getting stronger. And also I've underestimated him the way that he moves seems to indicate that he's been having life or death training for the last few months. Pretty spot on with that analysis. Uh, so he's like, okay, uh, time to stop pl- playing around. And he goes 80% power. I don't know how much he's been using up to this point, but he swells up, uh, his, uh, stress blackness covers his entire body. His shirt rips open and, uh, he starts dealing some much more, much heavier blows, knocks, uh, Shigaraki aside, uh, not just knocks him aside. Uh, how is he not dead? Like, <laughs> Multiple buildings. <laughs> it he, seems he, like he, he just up, goes flying miles. <laughs> he, he straight up Dragon Ball Z punches him where like, you know, you go across the fucking horizon. You crash through like eight buildings, but it's OK because these guys have the ability to destroy planets with their fingers. So like you're always like, oh, that logic makes sense. It, it, it hurts them, but it's not defeating. Shigaraki's just a dude. <laughs> he got launched through like half a fucking city block straight through hypotenuse style and. That dude just got up. He's like, oh, shit. Now I'm really angry about my grandparents. I guess it's a little bit difficult to tell exactly how far he flies away from Redestro because you can see Redestro in the background when Shigaraki is getting up. Uh, But because Redestro is so big, it's kind of hard to tell what the scale is in terms of how far he actually flew. So possibly all those buildings we saw getting busted, he wasn't necessarily flying through all of them. Maybe it was just like the shockwave from the attack. It's a little hard to tell. I don't know. I mean, just like a legitimate. He went flying. Yeah, I don't mean. And should have died. I don't mean it's like complete. Like, oh, this series has lost me now. So unrealistic that Shigaraki would die. 
making a joke. It's just like, oh, I think this dude should be dead at this point. <laughs> and this is superpowers to not die when crashing through buildings as well. Uh, with the fight briefly interrupted by this, uh, Redestro is able to answer a call that he gets from Skeptic, who warns Redestro, he's headed right for you. They had a real monster lying in wait. They didn't play all their cards. And of course, we see Gigantomachia at the scene where Skeptic was with all of his dolls uh, breaking shit. And uh, so the cavalry has arrived for our villain heroes. I I love I know he doesn't open. It, it seems like he just like touches his ear to answer the call. But I'm very bemused by the idea of this giant, hulking, like, black energy-coated monster, like, picking up this tiny cell phone and being like, hello, <laughs> what's happening? And then having to move it between his mouth and ear. <laughs> you know what? People always ask us when we do the Q&A, so, like, what are your favorite, like, ch- like tropes and things like that? Maybe one of my favorite that I've now come to realize is uh, people answering the phone in hilarious ways. Because you have this, and you have the dude from uh, Part 5 of JoJo who, like, picks up the frog, and he's just like, oh, if you're not going to pick it up, then I will. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> like, anytime you're just like, this dude shouldn't be answering a phone, just seeing him be like, oh, I'm, like, just smashing someone through eight buildings, be like, Hello? You're going to have yep. to speak up. You know what? Just text me. <laughs> just text me. <laughs> Can you not? Is this thing on? I can't tell. It's so tiny in my hands. <laughs> oh, I, I don't have minutes. You're gonna have. To, you're gonna have to send me a voicemail. I can't call. I didn't pay my phone bill. I can't call you, but you can call me. So just know if you need me to call you, you have to call me. I'm very lazy about that kind of thing. They're just like, I didn't realize Redestro was so cheap. <laughs> it's the CEO of a giant corporation. Why is this a look? Could you? It's not necessarily the price, but they raised the rates, and it's more about the principle than anything else. I'm not interested in letting them have a monopoly. I'm like, doesn't your company own one of the phone companies? He's like, yes, but you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be like AOC, be part of the people, you know, be part of the common man. So every so often, I post memes on memes on Twitter. Couldn't you like use your abilities to like, I don't know, do some real good in the world? Like, listen. All those kids in the cages that she visited don't have quirks, okay? Let me tell you what. I'm going to tell you the good that my company does. If you don't think it's good to find a small mom-and-pop organization that will not allow you to purchase them, so then you put all of your competing products against them at a tremendous discount until you can run that company out of business and then buy them and then jack all the prices back up, then I don't know what being Mother Teresa is in today's society anymore. That's what being an American's all about. I mean Japanese citizens. <laughs> Ah, oh, reality is terrifying. Um, that, that is a super cool chapter, though. I like Redestro's like new design here. When he gets eighty percent liberation, it's very cool. Um, I think like just the art design for it, where he has like these blackened, almost kind of like cartoonish muscles and everything like that, mm. just a super with visual. the bug eyes, yeah. And I do like how we're getting more Shigaraki. I'm still at this point where, like, I think Shigaraki is an interesting villain. It's hard for me to like I'm still waiting for the thing to like latch onto to be like cuz when you want to follow a villain in this sort of sense you generally need some kind of reason like something about them that you're like oh I can get behind this 
Something right. that almost make them like an anti-villain kind of thing. And we don't have that yet. I'm, every time I see Shigaraki, I'm like, no, he's just an insane asshole. So I'm <laughs> waiting for like, and I assume that's what this backstory is meant to deliver us, where I'm like, oh, we find out this, you know, about why he is this way. But right, we haven't right. quite gotten there yet. No, I got you. All right. Well, let's... Uh... Let's go on to talk about Eden Zero, Chris. Yeah, let's talk about a great chapter of Eden Zero, Nick. Chapter 52, Kuranai's Gauntlet. So, last time... Uh, Put on some pants, sister. Put on some pants. I'm not, I, Nick, we don't even have time to talk about that panel. There is there is far more nonsense in the middle of this to get to. Um, I can't remember this guy's name. It was like Gizbritsky or something like that. It was something nonsense. He was introduced on like the last page of the last chapter, yeah. yes. Met- Metal Man, we're going to call him. Uh, not Gajil, I guess. So uh, he was beating up a guy who we've never met mm-hmm. before, who was very tired. Uh, so of course, Shiki and her Don't you like, feel bad for him? This guy you never met before. Exactly. What's his name? Never given anyway. Uh, who cares? He's never going to show up again. Uh, Hamora and Shiki were like. He's married to Rebecca. Oh, okay. Well, then he's never going to be an important character. Eh. Uh, Shiki and Rebe- uh, Hamora step in to be like, "Hey, you can't beat up on this guy." Uh, he's like, "Oh, you guys must not know the rules here." So I'm just going to have to teach it to you. And the first thing is you have to kneel before me. And he, he pulls up this whip and he strikes him. And uh, I know that it's to get across that he has this nip, this whip that can like numb you when it touches you. But I love how uh, trained warrior Hamora and like. Let's Super just stand here and let the back of the whip. They like, it's not like he pulled out like a pen and clicked it and like, you know, like a box fell on them or something. He pulled out an obvious weapon struck at them and they both just took it. And I was Let like, me show you how awesome my tool is. Uh, so it, I guess, presumably, I'm, yeah. Just, just, <laughs> just got to unwind it. Just, okay, got it. Hold on, let me do a few practice swings here, loose. <laughs> Oh wait, hang on, it's not turned on. It's... I gotta so, I gotta make sure the num- on. It's gotta warm up. <laughs> I gotta make sure the numbing feature is active before I swing it at okay. you. Okay. <laughs> Cut you fools off guard. It's like the longest wind up in existence. Uh so he numbs their legs completely and he's like, Yep, my whip has a stein effect. And then he does what every uh hero villain ever does. They walk up to a woman and they talk about how sexually vulnerable they seem and how much they would like to fuck them. Uh it gets across some weird fetish, some uh pain fetish that nobody uh asked for, but hey, I guess you do you, hero. Uh Shiki intercepts one of the blows, and I guess this is what makes it so Shiki can't go after him. They don't explicitly say it. But he took a numbing shot to the head, which you think would, like, render him completely unconscious. Yeah, you just get... I don't really know. Uh, But he's just like, hey, I don't like dudes, so fuck off. Uh, No homo. Then he ties up more, and he's like, but I want you. I'm going to take real good care of you, the way every hero villain does. Uh, And there is a moment when Homura is being pulled away. She's like, don't interfere. I shall extract the information from this man. Surely he doesn't think I could use anything here. And as I was reading this chapter, it's like, she's shouting us out right in front of him. Why would she do that? And then uh, the next panel immediately is him being like, you know, I can hear you, right? She's like, shit, I'm undone by my own stupid quirk yet again. Uh, But that's basically where everything there ends. Samora's being carried off, but I don't know. She should be able to take care of herself, right? She'll be fine. Mm Mm-hmm. So we cut over to a uh, 999.9 karat gold building, I guess. I don't know. It's got gold on it in that number, so who knows. 
Uh, and uh, some strange alien dude is introducing to Madame Kerr and I one of the characters from Oran Host Club. Um, <laughs> he's very fancy. And uh, he is a male model. He's extremely beautiful. Uh, Madame Kerr and I asked him to take his clothes off, and he does. And he's he's majestic. Not like that fat sack. He's got sack- a son where his dick should be. Mm-hmm. Not like that fat sack of shit Jason Momoa. Did you see that tubby-ass picture of him on Twitter, Nick? What a disgusting fat... Oh, no, monster. you caught him not sucking his gut in. <laughs> you caught him not dehydrated to film two shots of a movie. <laughs> Anytime I think, like, man, you know, Wolverine's the best shape. Just listen to Hugh Jackman talk about what he had to do for that. He's like, yeah, I didn't drink water for, like, a week. He's like, I had to wait for my skin to adhere to every muscle so distinctly so I could film two shirtless scenes of the Wolverine. <laughs> and you're like... Man, you sacrificed that much for a movie that I honestly forget exists nine times out of ten. What, Wolverine? The movie where uh, he, there's the Silver Silver Samurai in it, and there's the cool shot of him saving the guy in World War II, uh, and the guy wants to steal his uh, his immortality, and then they have the fight scene on the train. Is I actually really like that movie. I, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just forget it exists a lot of the time. <laughs> And it has maybe the best post-credit scene of any movie ever. It's so great. We're going to do a really cool thing. Except not. We lost the battle, by the way. <laughs> it's great because they're like, cool, we're going to set this up. Um, the next movie won't address this at all. So, yeah. uh, you know what? It was just cool for cool sake. Anyway, uh, dude gets naked. And he's like, you're very beautiful. I could I could spend the night with you. I could keep you warm. I'd be your attendant. Uh, I'm a male model. And he, like, he strokes her on the cheek a little bit. And uh, the alien guy's like, yes. And he's uh, he's also an excellent butler. So would you uh, like him to be part of your, your concubines? And she's like, no. I did not approve you to touch me. It's such a vulgar action. You must, you must think I'm some kind of sensationalist. And uh, I'm just going to reject you. And she reaches out with her hand. And he starts screaming because her hand's over his face. He's like, no, that's my life. The only, if I lose my face, my career is over. And she's like, oh, damage to the face is all you fear. Then that is why I will burn your face. And uh, she seemingly does because we see him screaming and his face starts turning red. And then it's a bunch of shots. She's going to turn it Kuranai, deep red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, she's like, okay. Which, well, by the way. When you, you you like see him like slump over after she's burned his face, it's got like sunburn on it. It'll be fine. Well, it's also weird too because we get like it's like the butt straight up pose, and I yeah. can't. I know it's not intended to be like a joke, but it's hard for me not to be like teehee a little bit. <laughs> like you could have framed the shot to be more horrific and like traumatizing than just like the slump down like blap got a sound effect look i'm saying this as uh discussing a guy who created a character group literally called the jiggle butt gang right so i'm not (laughs) you can't tell here not to draw butts yeah well i'm also saying like it may have been a joke too i don't know uh kerr and i then asked her attendant about uh eden zero and mentions that the ship has quote a uh ether drive on it mm-hmm. and that is apparently a very expensive thing uh and uh dragon joe has asked her to help locate it and the attendant's like so what's your share in all that she says 30 percent, but i don't like that number i intend to outwit him you see i'm only ever interested in a hundred percent you see i plan to betray him mm-hmm. a double cross i don't mean 
You know, I'm kind of interested in it because at least there are two characters who seem interesting in this. But I'm still, I don't know. You know, let's finish the chapter first before we get into this. Uh, we get a small scene on the Eden Zero that ultimately, it, it seems like something that's just there to be like, here's why they can't contact each other. And then to the next scene where they're like, a character's like, I here's can't contact can't anybody. Contact <laughs> I can't contact anybody. Uh, it's, nice that, it's nice that we are checking in with the crew on the ship, considering that they're separated. Uh-huh. So It's just a strange, like, we jump right to a lot of different places here. Uh, and we finish up with Rebecca back at the casino, who's like, oh, man, this sucks. I can't call anybody. When all of a sudden, who should show up, Nick? But Labelia, mm-hmm. the famous beekeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Labelia. The ultra-famous beekeeper, Labelia. Ultra-famous. Ultra it's actually in quotes. That means that's actually her specific title. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if there were like if she got like a Smash Brothers intro, you, mm-hmm. you would have to put that entire thing in there. Yeah. Exactly. So like, you know how sometimes when uh, you hear about Jake Paul, they they say Jake Paul, ultra famous YouTuber, Jake Paul. Yeah. Has, uh, I don't know, kicked a rabbit down a stairwell or something like that. <laughs> Sounds like some of you do. <laughs> I was like, and I was like, he may have already done that. I don't know. I don't I don't watch his videos, but that might have already been one of his uh, series. Uh, Labelia is like, hey, uh, you're an idiot for being here. You're too poor. She's mocking her at first, uh, but then talks about how she's like, I saw how your friends were taken to the labor district, and it's not easy to get in there and, you know, ordinary methods, but I know how to get in there, and I'll tell you if you do me a favor. And uh, Happy has a bad feeling about this. Now, Nick. How much do you want to bet it's a sexy favor? I uh, no deal. Like <laughs> <laughs> the major problem that I have with this chapter. I mean, we talked. I I mentioned it last week. You know, like with when talking about Doctor Stone. Like you know, if this creepy action with these with this rapey vibe had been in a hero series, we would just be like, oh, come on, dude. Like again with this. And sure enough, yeah. When it comes up at the beginning of this chapter, it's like, come on, dude, again with this. Like, it, it, who cares? Like, I, I, I'm I, not even reacting to the guy wanting to tie up and whip Homura or anything. It's like, again, who cares? It's to a but, point where, like, it's actually detrimental to the story because you just you, you stop hating the actual villain and you just start to be like, come on, hero, man, like. You apparently have enough time to draw three chapters a week sometimes for the <laughs> shits and giggles. Why don't you just find a porn company that'll pay you to draw porn for them? Like, it's just to a point where, you're like, you do this so frequently that it loses any effect on a reader, man. Now, that said, uh, for the rest of this chapter, I actually found this to be pretty good. I think that it's intriguing. Uh, I'm interested to see where... Now that we know that these two villains are probably both going to be working to screw each other over and both have established personalities, it, even if they only really go so far as uh, both be having very little respect for hum, uh, human life or sentient life, I guess, is a more appropriate term and being greedy fuckers. Uh, but they, you know, have these things so it's like, all right, they're different and and so on. They've got different interests. Uh, you've got the stuff going on where Labelia has introduced this idea of like, oh, I've got you know kind of my own thing going on. Although I'm sure once it's revealed, we're probably going to only probably going to just be like, you have to you know bark like a dog for me or some shit like that. 
uh, while wearing, you know, nothing or something. I don't know. Um, there is some stuff in this, in this chapter is like, okay, I can see that this could go in an interesting direction. It's probably not because Eden zero in the past year has not had a very good track record and, and that, but there's some, some good stuff in it, uh, thus far. And I'm actually finding, uh, our villains at least interesting to be around if nothing else. So I, think there are elements in place that could make for a very compelling arc. I just don't know if they're all going to function the way they need to. Right. Okay. Let's move on from there to... Well, let's talk a little bit about these children. Chris, Sakura did a tackle. He did, he did, he, he, he did the Senna score as a touchdown chapter. He in did. This chap- yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I kinda it makes like sense. The chapter. Uh, there's a small moment when the manager says to what Sora, I believe is his friend's name. She's yeah. like, oh yeah, you know, that's, that's what rugby is all about is tackling. You would, you would get it too, if you played. And he's like, if I play too. And I, I, I can't help but think that that's eventually the plan is to like, if this ran for years to be like, yeah, Sora eventually plays on the team and he's good at something, you know, potentially. Um, it's just. I don't know, like there's a whole moment when one of his teammates is like, hey, get this guy out of here. He's not good enough to be on the team. And I'm like, what's that character's name? Yeah. What's his personality? Yeah. What's he like besides yeah. being a negative force to like have a like back like back and forth with the coat, the captain on this, you know? So the point that was that we get to finally after a few chapters after hey sakura's got is really fast in 5 yards is because he can take advantage of a moment in between when someone is moving and when they try and brace themselves before a tackle he can move in before they can do that and so he can actually effectively tackle them so the visual of the it's chapter. great you know it breaks through you see it like as a callback to before when he tunnel vision in before and everything would go to black. And as he makes the tackle, you see him literally shattering the darkness around him and hitting the ground. Like It's a great visual. It's it's exactly that thing I talk about at the start of a sports series where like you need that that visual moment that makes the sport seem really exciting. It captures that. I'm just fuck man. They need a supporting cast around this like this kid right now. So in those cases, I think where like some stuff is being established and these moments are happening a bit too late. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, I mean, if this if you knew for certain that the series was going to be given time to establish stuff, then it's like, oh, yeah, you can be like Samurai 8. You can, you know, do what the fuck ever and then eventually get to all these stuff that's going to be good, which hopefully it will. Um, but because it's not that case, it's like, all right, I see some of the stuff that you're setting up, but you really need to step on the gas so that you can actually catch on with impatient readers and then do stuff. So. Mm. Speaking of Samurai 8, uh, it's chapter 9, which is, has a title, Together. Together. Together with ellipses. It's very important that we have the ellipses there. Well, because it's about being together, Nick. But Together. But they aren't super happy to be with each other right now. But maybe that'll change by the end of the chapter. You know, we we might yes. be into a whole real roller coaster of emotions, a real a real three act structure in a single chapter, Nick. Or it'll be a montage, but 
<laughs> or they'll just be like, they got ice cream and stuff. Now they're okay with each other. It's interesting the way that we turn out in this because they don't really like each other, but they acknowledge or in Hachimaru's case, basically made to acknowledge that they're basically stuck with each other. So they essentially decide after a little bit to just make the most of it. Um, and it's interesting to have this type of series just take that approach. It's not that they, you know, like are at each other's throats th- for a while and then something important happens that makes them change their minds. Or it's not that they take a long time to come around to each other. It's just they don't really get along well because they have different personalities on is kind of pissed at Hashimaru for being a jerk and being Hashimaru. But they start having to go off and they try and go and find uh, a locker ball. Uh, and after Hachimaru digs it up for on, uh, they celebrate, they go and get some food together and then they sit together and they get along. Okay. Mm. And they're willing to get along and that's it. Uh, there is danger on the horizon because that guy who's crashing through meteors is like going through the moon now and stuff. But that's where we're kind of at is that, they are willing to work with each other and that's it. It's interesting. I think because you don't really see that dynamic a whole lot. You're just like, all right, well, let's do it. You know? So, so there's, there's a couple of small things in the chapter worth talking about. One is that they start having a conversation about themselves and mm-hmm. Hachimaru specifically lies when asked about what yes. kind of person he was previously. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to see if that plays into it at all down the line. Uh, but I, maybe I've missed this before. This, I, I finally feel like I'm at the point where I'm grasping the concepts behind uh, Samurai 8. But they sort of explain what princesses actually do now. Um, they basically birth Samurai. They're uh, metal detectors that uh, are told to also learn how to flower rage and clean from time and cook from time to time and that's like yes okay so that's <laughs> that's what this is all about um cool i'm very glad that's uh we found out their divine purpose is to be like there's a ball on the ground 20 meters from here or whatever uh there is like some actual like political reasons for you know how important they are and why they're sought after right. because they you know these things create warriors and these warriors you know give a planet power um i'm still kind of like i would I, I feel like this series despite feeling like it's overly complicated at a lot of points feels like it's missing some stuff to explain a couple factors or something like that still i'm still not entirely sure why princesses are drawn to samurai or how a princess is particularly made like are they just people born who are special or do they have to go through training why i can understand how maybe flower arrangement would maybe help with meditation but i'm not really sure how cooking (laughs) would cooking is immensely stressful (laughs) some people have some people really benefit from cooking oh i don't get I i don't i don't disagree with that uh, I think as a wide uh, application that all of them should go through, I'd be like, oh, this is really stressful. <laughs> how, how much did you say to put the oven on for 350 or 375? Oh, God. 
You've just got you've just got this red haired British man. So what's wrong with you? You're never going to get a samurai with that kind of a, of a filet mignon. And I'm just like, I watched you on Hotwoods cry for 30 straight minutes. You were barely on the third wing before you were squirting Pepto-Bismol into your mouth. You are only angry at people who are incompetent at a job they profess to be great at. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm openly telling you this. You can't be angry at me. You have to admire my dedication as a performer. Chris, I want to tell you that you should never give up on your dream, but you are a fucking shit cook. (laughs) Thank you, Dad, and I hug him. (laughs) I needed this. Security immediately come out and beat you up. Well, to be fair, I guess I asked for this. There's also a moment where uh, Dharma basically tells Hachimaru because Hachimaru has finally gotten the gotten it through. He says, like, I don't think Ahn likes me very much. And Dharma's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> You've got a protector. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> um, which makes Hachimaru actually think of his of his dad. Uh, when his dad told him, hey, you can hate me all you want, but I'm still going to do whatever it takes to protect you. So now still haven't closed out that uh, plot thread either that is interesting but only if they don't because at this point it's vague enough yet that you could think that maybe they're not going to force a romantic angle between hachimaru and on but i feel like if you do then this scene is really weird and shitty because it's it's trying to be like oh, I'm like her dad. Yeah, or just like that's how a relationship goes. No matter how bad it is, you just tough it out. You know, it's, it doesn't. There's no give or take. Like, oh man, come on. You already had Sakura forgive a guy who tried to kill her. We haven't really been introduced to a Sasuke character in this, so. I guess not. We still have time. Maybe it's Hachimaru. He's an asshole, too. My God, he's got the worst trait to both Naruto and Sasuke. <laughs> he's both of them. He's a nerdy, annoying edgelord. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Let's go over to The Last Sayuki, chapter 18. The Black... What is it called? The Black Tory Gate of Oban. Mm-hmm. So, there... <laughs> You're in this town, there's the tiny little Tory gate um, that the kids are crouched in front of. And uh, Rinosuke basically is like, so what you're telling me, (laughs) it has one of those kind of moments uh, to give exposition, saying it's like, every shrine in my town had one of these pop up during the Oban festival. Do we really have to take measures against something this tiny? And uh, anyway, Estelle has to explain to him that this tiny little Tory gate will actually grow larger uh, by the day of the Oban festival. And so they have to do something to stop it, because if one walks under it, they will be spirited away. And we actually cut back to the entire explanation that happened before. It's like, come on, Rinosuke, fucking remember this shit. Write it down. Like. Take it, take, bring a tape recorder with you or something like that. You're, you've got to actually remember this stuff as opposed to having to have it explained to you three times if you're going to do this shit. This, this is a life or death situation. So what? Are, what is that invisible box behind me called again? 
Who's this, who's this girl whose hand I'm holding? It's your little sister. Oh, what? and a sister is. <laughs> What's baseball? <laughs> I've just been swinging at things. People say, I'm "Where's my mom?" <laughs> I haven't seen her in a while. <laughs> This <laughs> just skyrockets the most unlikable shonen jump protagonist in one chapter. <laughs> oh anyway. my god, that white yin yang symbol ate that kid's head! No. Stop. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> you watched this happen before, you feel like this would leave an impact on you. <laughs> So the, the re- basically what happens is um, during the Oban, because it's a time of reflection on uh, people's ancestors, as it gets closer, people are more and more conscious of the afterlife. But this doesn't affect the Mo in the same way because humans don't think of the afterlife as being impossible. So these thoughts do, you know, gather, but they just trickle out without causing any harm to the box or to the individual. But when a whole bunch of people are thinking about this and are gathered in one place, it can materialize into a very special type of monster, the black Tory gate of Oban. It is this completely unmoving gate, but it creates this vision for people of the afterlife. But because a whole bunch of people's visions of the afterlife and no one's vision is exactly the same as any others, and because no human can actually completely accurately visualize it, it creates a fake universe, an artificial dimension that swallows people up. It's a neat idea, I think. Um, and I, we're go, we're kind of go, pretty quickly go into uh, plot stuff, but I kind of wish that we had just gotten a little bit of time to just have like, hey, let's just have this little arc about this really weird monster concept uh, that you could do some stuff with. Uh, it sounds like we don't have much time because the, do word, not. the word on the street is that the series is going to be ending in about a month, a little less than a month, it sounds like. So, like, the next run of new series will happen probably around that time, but... Um, Estelle explains a bit more in the present saying it's like hey you know just stop stop staring into that gate because you know it's yeah it's fake but it's a gate to the afterlife so you might see a vision of someone dear to you by the gate so like when i previously did this i looked through the gate and i saw my mother calling me from the other side and rinosuke says well it'd be my mom for me too and Estelle, of course to this point has not heard that oh yeah rinosuke lost his mother but he says, even if I did see her, though, I feel like I'd be OK because I've, you know, accepted that she's gone and I can never see her again. And he has this kind of sad smile on his face. Estelle seals the gate by taking out a bigger gate and putting it on top of it. Yeah, I do like how she, he's like, it's ah! fine. I'll never get to see my mom again. Estelle's like. Mm-hmm. Slam! I'm making sure you don't fucking try to walk through this thing. <laughs> like she's gonna be like, I don't, I don't trust that you're actually over this. It's I nice seen that Estelle after having her character development art is immediately like, mm, I'm smarter and wiser now, and I know that you're bullshitting me. 
Yeah. She says, like, you know, when I was your age, I wasn't able to talk about my mother and smile like that. When I remember her, I would my heart would hurt. I would get teary eyed. And yet you're younger than me. And you're so look, you know, you don't need to act all cool and, and just put on this brave smile for me or anything. I mean, it's like, I'm not trying to act cool. I am this cool. <laughs> Which is a really funny line. Um, so they they get up and start to move away, but Koharu continues to crouch there and quote unquote stare at the gate for a bit. Um, they presumably continue working uh, through the day because we kind of had to them you know relaxing and the heat later, and. Uh, you know, Rinosuke brings up how it sucks that they won't be able to actually go to the Obon Festival because of, you know, Koharu and stuff. Mm. And uh, Koharu mentions, because she's clearly lost in thought, that, you know, with all the talk of their mothers, she was wondering what her mother would have been like because she doesn't remember anything about her. Uh, and they hold hands for a bit. And Koharu says, you know, it's it's not like it's not that I want to know about her. It's not that I want her to do something for me, but if I can meet her and get to know her, then I would be able to understand how the two of you feel about losing them. And she just says, you know, I want to meet her. And the black Tory gate in front of them suddenly grows really big. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> so, um, it grows really large in front of them. Uh, and of course, all of them get up and react. And uh, Estelle's like, I, what the, I, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, and they see this shadowy figure uh, emerging through the gate. And Ryunosuke looks at it and it starts calling out to Koharu. So they're like, wait, is that Koharu's mom? But Ryunosuke recognizes the voice as blind to his mother. And he immediately gets this very distressed look on his face. Like, kid, you got to calm down. The, like, you can't be getting wrinkles when you're like 10. I, don't, I did not know that wrinkles could actually appear in that pattern. Come to think of it. Anyway, he starts rushing towards the Black Tory Gate. Fortunately, the master arrives and grows his Nyoibo into a big seal Tory Gate in order to stop him. And... Uh, he apparently, because he had to do it so suddenly doing that, it, it gave him a little bit of a nosebleed. So, but he, he stopped it. Yay! Huzzah. No follow up on that. We immediately cut over to where Ryunosuke's father is. He's meeting with the strange figure who is uh, sitting in some sort of ceremonial room. The shit ton of candles behind him. Uh and they start talking ominously. And uh, he said, the father says, if the Black Tory Gate appeared because of Kay's desire, then Ryunosuke must have figured out that my wife Momo and Kay are connected somehow. Since the combined Kurori was defeated, the 89th candle was extinguished. What do you think, Master Dotsu? Perhaps the time you met Ryunosuke. And Master Dotsu says... Kohaku, you really have changed telling me what to do. Is your son that important to you? And we get a good look at Master Dotsu. Um, he looks weird. <laughs> He's an apple face. He's got an apple for a face. And googly eyes on his crown? <laughs> you know, he's fun. That's how you know he's kind of fun. He's kind of like the, the boss who has like 
like a parody mug or something like that, like World's Worst Boss or something like that. And you're like, that's how you know he's he's a fun boss. Like, right. don't insult him. Don't joke at his expense ever. But he's fun. Like, you know. And the word bubble seemed to be specifically coming from the crown. Oh, well, that, obviously, Nick. Yeah. Apples don't talk. Yes. It, so it's and the body seems like it's a doll or a mannequin of some sort. So. Possibly this is some sort of. Not human creature that has just kind of been done up to it's like, hey, let's give you a little bit of a human appearance here. Just, just put, put this there, just put this on and just, and put on some uh, googly eyes. There you go. Let's just say, uh, yeah, the Google. Honestly, you know what? Anytime this is like this is a lesson for everybody out there who's into creating, especially creating characters. Every character design ever can be improved by adding googly eyes to it at the end. So you think like, ah, Doomsday, you know, you're trying to create a new big bad guy for Superman after all these years. You designed this big tough-looking crag guy, but if you put some googly eyes on him, you add a new dimension to that character. And it's the same thing. You go through everything, you know? Mysterio, imagine with the big bowl and everything like that, and all the mist inside. You can definitely trust me, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Two googly eyes going around, spinning everywhere. Kermit the Frog, he needs two sets of googly eyes. Put those on them, too. Every character could be improved with googly eyes. Anyway, with that uh, public service announcement uh, put aside, what do you think of this chapter, Chris? (laughs) It's solid. I I do like how we're getting some some information for uh, Ryunosuke, and I do like just that conversation he has with Estelle, where mm. it's interesting that they didn't connect over it before, uh, but now they do when the shoe's kind of on the other foot of like, mm. yeah, you know, it's sad my mom's dead. He's like, oh, my mom's dead too. She's like, oh, and how do you feel about that? He's like, I'm over it. She's like, this bitch ain't over No, it. you're not. <laughs> she thinks to herself, she's like, this asshole kid's not fucking over this at all. God damn it. God damn it. I've got to be the cool older kid again. <laughs> And I, I like all the little small uh, effects that they put in there. I like how she takes the responsibility for it because she's like, I'm your you superior here. You're part of the team. I know how to do this here. Uh, and, you know, as you mentioned, the Black Tory Gate is like a cool gimmick sort of like, I don't want to call it monster of the week, but a small like arc based around it has a lot of interesting implications. So I do like it. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to get from the end here, um, mm. but I do like the everything seems to be moving in a better direction. I I do feel a small sense of disappointment that Rinosuke's mob mother dying is like, Oh, it's linked. She's it's all tied together. Is I mean, like they don't she always, could just, have she, could just, she could be just a dead mom that yeah. really had an effect on him guys. I mean, doesn't all have to be like, she was killed by a hollow, but was really a Quincy. Like, you know, God damn. Can you imagine overriding a moment as much as you have to then like, 15 years after the effect being like what if his mom was a quincy as well (laughs) (laughs) like what the fuck (laughs) we have to write this in it's gonna be stupid otherwise anyway we've just changed ichigo and friends company's powers like four times we gotta make it even five (laughs) yeah i mean we're gonna introduce a new power uh new villain group he needs to be part of it secretly um all right, Nick, let's talk about We Never Learn. Before we start talking yes. about the chapter, I want to talk about some news 
that's been circulating Dude. along the street about uh, we never learned. So we never learned. Apparently, we didn't get to see the results of it. Not like the my or the uh, Black Clover one later in this sequence. But there was a second we never learned character popularity poll. Yes, I did and, hear that. And, that happened. and the word on the street is that the winner with more votes than everyone else combined was Kirisu. Of course. And someone was like, what do you think about that? To that, I will say. I'm not shocked. I'm not like, shocked, but here's 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 how I view it. I am used to the idea that oftentimes, uh, I'm I'm trying not to be insulting with the way I say this, but uh, lowest common denominator sometimes pulls in a lot of people, and I'm not saying people out there don't think Kirisu is the most engaging or interesting character. I'm sure there are a lot of people who do feel that way. But I think a lot of people are also just like, she's the hot one who does a lot of the hottest things. That's fair. If those people are enjoying the series for that reason, they are still being exposed to what I believe is the strongest writing in Jump right now. And I'm very happy for that. Now, Nick, <laughs> let's discuss this week's chapter. <laughs> what did you do? Are you going to get stuck in the bathtub for an hour? Okay. For a chapter with this premise, this wasn't bad. No. Look. <laughs> but I had to get that out there when I was like. I also oh. want to say, I also want to say in Kirisu, the character's defense, her quirk, not her, like my hero academia quirk, but you know, She's a very easy character to understand because she's very serious about teaching, but is incompetent at everything else to a comedic degree. And she seems to have very little awareness of a lot of social situations, which leads to, uh, you know, comedy because she is so straightforward and blunt and proper in her own context. So. I think that it's understandable that people are into that. So. No, absolutely. I, I'm not trying to shame anybody for liking Karasu. I mostly wanted to do it for the setup jump punchline of like, hey, this is the best written series of Shonen Jump. All right. Uh, so we open up question 118. Sometimes a predecessor drifts uh, among mineral deposits and a pizza bet uh, by showing you and Asumi are for some reason in the hot springs together. Yeah. Uh, we find out why. Basically, afterwards, when we flash backwards a couple hours earlier, where the two of them are studying intensely on a train, they took a practice test. Neither of them are happy with the results, so they're they're diligently kind of studying again. Uh, and as Asumi is about to fall asleep, Yuega falls asleep on her shoulders. She's like, "Hey, what are you? You okay?" And he's like, "Ah, sorry, I didn't mean to." Uh, so she's like, "Hey, you don't you, don't worry about it. You go ahead and sleep. I'll wake you up when we get to to Ichinose. And he's like, "Ah, no, I'm fine. In fact, you should be able to sleep, Senpai. So I'll I'll stay away for you." They both end up falling asleep, so they miss their stop completely, and they're like, well, that was the last train for the night, so yep. we're screwed. We'll have to find somewhere, and this is in the middle of winter, so they're like, well, we need to find somewhere warm that we can stay until the morning. So they find an onsen, you know, a hot spring of a hot bath, basically. And this is, I don't know if these exist or if this is something that they just kind yeah. of theorize, but it's basically it's like, like a onsen. water park onsen. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, we provide you with bathing suits as well. So that it's basically a communal bath kind of thing. It basically, as you said, like a, like a water park. Uh, so they have that and they're like, yeah, it's a pretty cool deal. And uh, I do like how you is like, oh, all these extra costs, the train, the swimming suit rental. 
This cannot be cheap, yeah. No, this has to be expensive. <laughs> uh, there's some moments where he's he goes into like he's like trying to like keep the dirty thoughts out of my head because he's like, <laughs> oh, he's like thinking like, oh, she's gonna be like, will you wash my back for me, Semiko? Hi. Oh, wow, it's so crowded. He's like, no, I can't. I can't do this at all, you know. Uh, it's probably not going to be like that. And she immediately fucking proves him right with that shit. <laughs> like, she immediately starts doing it. And, uh, you know, he, he sees her. He's like, hey, you know, I, I feel kind of nervous. You know, it's just us and this, you know, does this bathing suit look weird on me? You know, we're, we're, we're not taking a bath together. Do you not feel anything at all? And he's like, Oh well, I, I wouldn't say that. You look, you look great. You know, there, there's a certain thrill, and she's like, "Oh, really? So you'd be happy to be in the bath with me?" And she's like, "Uh, well, uh, you know." And she's like, "Yeah, I knew it, you dirty whore dog." He's like, "Fuck you! I knew you'd be like this." She's like, "Some unscrupulous woman who's gonna take advantage of you one day." He's like, "You, you're the unscrupulous woman taking advantage of me one day." <laughs> Uh, and then she gets up. She's like, ah, okay, well, we've warmed up. Might as well get back out there and start studying again. And then she stops because she sees a display that has the Dr. Fish mascot in front of it. Doha-chan. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God, we had to do it. And it's uh, one of those things where you, you dip your feet into water and these little tiny fish go around and they basically, like, eat the dead skin cells and stuff like that off your feet. It's, she's, she's like, fangirling out. It's like, yay, yeah. my mascot. <laughs> Doha-chan, Doha-chan. Uh, and all the feet, all the fish are biting on her feet to eat off all this, the stuff and be, uh, very, uh, delicious. They also, the fish also say yum, yum. And what tasty looking feet, uh, Chris, I, I hate to tell you this, but this is somebody's fetish. Like, is it yours? Just, Was this a setup for it? No, I'm just okay. saying, I'm just saying it's like of all of the like fetishes that have been explored in the manga that we read. This one was one of the least surprising to see happen. <laughs> I was about to be like, I wonder if there's a fetish for fish, like, biting. I don't know fish. about fish in particular. But I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to type it in because I'm afraid of what I'll find. Um, no, I know feet fetish is the one thing. Look, well, and also eating something off of a woman's body, too. <laughs> it combines it. That's why, Chris. And, and a tickling fetish. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot fetish. going on here. And she's in a bathing suit. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a friend of mine who's like, uh, yeah, you know, it's one thing I really get into now. I like, uh, I like looking at porn where it's like woman clothed man naked. And I was like, the fuck what are you talking about what i what i learned about that when i was just like what the fuck is that he's like he's like oh well you know it's because you know usually you're getting in kind of like intimate like spaces or whatever and it's like oh woman blows guy at work or something like that i'm like all right fine you know you you do you <laughs> sorry abused by like you know what i'm really into now uh woman clothed man naked porn i was like that doesn't sound hot at all have you exhausted the internet for all of its other good porn? <laughs> I bet they still have some out there. Uh, so all the fish are tickling her, and she's uh, trying to hold in the fact that she's very ticklish. And you, you get a shot of Uega smiling very happily because he's like, good, payback, biatch. I got a mild form of revenge. <laughs> he's just enjoying the fact that she's on the other end of this uh, treatment, basically. Uh, then they go to play ping pong, and she's t- uh, testing him by basically, like, going over, I assume, 
English to Japanese, or maybe it's just vocab in general, but I would assume that it must be some kind of language translation uh, test there. Uh, she's very good, and she spikes the ball. Uh, there's some more teasing stuff going on, and a little more thing that kind of they're teasing more of like a sexual kind of nature because like the robe she's in is open a lot and stuff like that. But that's not important, guys. Let's talk about the stuff that is important. Uh, she starts asking about how the other three girls are doing in their exams. And he's like, well, you know, they're making a lot of progress. They're doing pretty good. You know, hopefully, you know, if they keep up the good work, it's just that, you know, I can't share this with them. And I've just been feeling really nervous about the exams and I can't help but thinking that we won't do well and there's so much pressure and anxiety that I can hardly sleep these days. And, ah, why am I telling you, you know, I should learn to keep cool like you, senpai. And she beans him with the ping pong ball. And she's like, keep cool like me, idiot. I failed once. And he, she grabs his, like, she grabs his hand and she can see how much it's trembling. She's like, I failed before. This is literally the last chance I have. So I'm trying to thrive under that pressure and I have to tell myself that no matter what, that my mistakes and my stress will pay off in the end. And if we can't banish those thoughts, then why not embrace the tension to pressure as more opportunities to learn? It's like, okay, cool. There's like a, a nice little moment shared between them. Uh, then there's a joke about her legs. Thighs. Being, yeah, about thighs. And uh, he's like, oh, your, your clothes are starting to, to come off. And she's like, oh, well, I don't mind you looking. And opens up. And she's like, ah, I'm still wearing my swimsuit, dummy. Um, and then we end the chapter. They went home. And there's just a scene where Subi comes home. And her dad's like, what are you doing staying out all night studying? And everything like that. And she's like, ah, you know, I just, we missed the last train. Sorry about that. And uh, her mom's like, oh, but you were out all night with Uego, weren't you? And her dad's like. Oh, were you? Well, that's fine then. And she's like, "What the fuck do you go back home to America, mom?" <laughs> and then Yuiga's brocon sister is like, "Big brother smells like an unfamiliar girl. How dare he?" I should cut off part of his body to keep it safe with me in a bag. Make a totem out of it, so I always have a piece of Big Brother with me. <laughs> That's like going to be the thing, you know, we're going to get, you know, uh, uh, you know, a montage at the end of the series set to Tears for Fears. And it's going to have, you know, it's like, Yuiga became a teacher and ended up working together with Kirisu Sensei. And it's, you know, it's like, Ogata got, Ogata got to learn about people better. She became a game designer. Fumino became an astronomer and studied the stars. Koinami Senpai ran her family's clinic. Uruko became a gold medalist in the Olympics. And then it's going to be like, Yuiga's younger sister was committed to an insane asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Unable to accept that she could not spend the rest of her life married to her one true love, her brother. She hurls herself off a cliff and <laughs> was captured before she hit the ground and is paying the rest of her time in the secured Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the very end, it's going to be like, as for Seikijo and whether or not she was actually in love with Ogata. Maybe, that, maybe that's a question for another day that we won't answer credits. And I'm like, no, none of us get our pizza now. It goes into the se sequel series. Chris never learns. <laughs> I just keep making pizza bets with people on <laughs> nebulous things. I don't know, Nick. I don't. I think they might actually make Mysterio the good guy in this movie. Like he's Mysterio. We have the elements in this movie. I know I've already seen it, so I know what happens. But 
I think the elementals are going to be the bad guy, and this is a chance to make mistakes. Oh yeah, the, the, the... like he was in Avengers uh, Academy, where he was a good guy. In the grand, they made all the villains good guys in that one, but still. <laughs> this could be the big good guy change for Mysterio. People were alluding to a spoiler. I, I still haven't seen that movie. People were alluding to a spoiler, and I was like, "I'm like, oh, come on, come on, guys!" It's it's like when you were trying just trying to say, "Is like, I don't want to spoil Amazing Spider-Man 2. So it's like, "Oh, Gwen Stacy dies, does she?" Thanks, everyone. <laughs> I, so it's it's not a spoiler to say, maybe it is, but a very small spoiler to say. Yes, Mysterio is not as he seems. Uh, oh, oh, I oh was, the entire thing is that he's an actor with illusions. Ooh. And I, I had to say, Spider-Man Far From Home is going to be one of those movies that I'm going to need to analyze like under a microscope. Because I was ready to halfway through the movie being like, oh, this is the first bad Marvel movie. Like, this is really, really mm. bad. Like, it's, there's a lot of very poor plot points. Um, there's a lot of like weird MacGuffins they introduce that just don't make a lot of sense. And then the Mysterio twist happens and the acting gets so much better and the writing gets more interesting. I'm like, was it all the Mysterio twist? Am I in the Mysterio? Was he fucking with me? The illusion was that the movie sucked. <laughs> like I had to sit there. I'm like, was that the point of this thing? I don't know. Still can't beat uh, Mysterio from the Spider-Man 2 video game, though, where uh, after you beat him the first time, he just shows up trying to rob a, a random uh, convenience store and you beat him in one punch. <laughs> it is. It's it's actually a very cool moment in the movie when you're just like when you like all the illusions are taken away. You're just like, oh, man, anyone who shows up could just punch this guy in the face. And he's done for. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's move on from spoiling the movie to Dr. Stone. Z equals 112, king of three dimensions. So, uh, Kohaku is leading her fellow spies into the march towards the harem. And she's like, all right, we're going to get the petrification weapon. Please stop shouting about this plan. <laughs> uh, and she's just like, hey, let's just take it tonight while Kirisame is sleeping. Ginro's like, what? That's, that, that's insane. But Amarillis is pretty on board with this because she's like, yeah, I want to I want to grab this and get it the fuck out of here, too. <laughs> um, but she says, like, we need to, you know, scout this out. Uh, Kirisama is just one of the guards. And, you know, I mean, we're probably not going to be able to just catch her sleeping alone. So we've got to come up with a proper plan for this. Uh, at that moment, Senku starts sending them a message, which Kohaku relays to the others saying, all right, you know, we're splitting up. So. Uh, we're going to have us here in the spy t science team and you guys are going to be the spy team. And we get this like little shot of uh, Suika, Senku, Gen and uh, uh, Soyuz in like lab coats. And then Amaryllis, Ginro and Kohaku wearing spy outfits, but they're all female outfits. So Ginro's wearing a skirt and stockings. It's a nice touch. Um. And he says, OK, you guys at the spy team are going to observe them. When Mozu and Kirisame and the others split up, lure Kirisame out, get her to toss her weapon. Uh, and Kok is like, got it. Oh, he can't hear me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Senku says that they're going to then swoop in and snag the weapon in midair because we're going to make a drone that can fly. What? Oh, right. That was last chapter. Right. That. Hello, Retro! Oh, right. We, we're not ready. 
we get a bit of a montage of them getting the materials together. They uh, have to actually take apart part of the lab in order to get some of the parts that they need. Uh, Senku makes a magnet uh, out of this U-shaped hook uh, along with some wire. Uh, ends up using that in order to create basically a motor. Um, and because he's got two magnets so that it'll cause uh, a spinning motion constantly from uh, the magnets poles constantly rotating it around anyway. Uh, so they've, they've basically created a motor that, uh, by the time we got away from them. Uh, everyone arrives at the enemy stronghold, which is a, a village in the treetops. Uh, there are elves and stuff flying around. I'm sure. Elves don't fly anyway. So there's this really big guard who wears like an Anubis mask for some reason. Uh, and he breaks a guy's statue as soon as they arrive because he was trying to sneak his daughter out of the harem. And so they petrified him and then he's just shattered him because he's a dick like that. Uh, we then find the guy then seems much less intimidating because he tries to say terminate and he's like, uh, bad people get to, to, uh, terminated yeah that so anyway they get to smash bash <laughs> they get big worded uh kohaku immediately says like oh hey let's let's scout something out here uh amaryllis buy me 15 seconds and so amaryllis is like this is what my training has been for and she goes over to the big muscly guy and he's like oh your muscles and he's like, oh, yeah, 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 And all of the guards are like, oh, yeah, check out my muscles, too. <laughs> so easy. Yeah, it's so, like I've been training all my life this. Oops, I dropped a nickel. <laughs> I go to pick it up. Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to be staring at this for at least 15 seconds. <laughs> She's like, oh, I thought it'd be a lot harder than this. Amaryllis is just is just like, oh no, I dropped my hanky. Won't someone retrieve it for me? Oh! <laughs> Kohaku darts around a bit, uh, sees something, and right before Kirisame gets back, and of course, Amaryllis's wiles will never work on a woman, um, Kohaku fortunately has gotten back before she gets there. And so she says, I have found it. The key to securing our victory is a key of science. But she has she runs into the problem of I need to communicate this to Senku and the others. But the device that he gave me only works in one direction. So I've got some to do that somehow. And of course, we get back to uh, the science group at that moment. And they're testing their motor by putting it on a mini steam gorilla, basically a little RC car. And the motor works and again realizes, hey, I mean, while we've got this uh, motor, sure, it'll be great for the drone, but we could also use it as a means of communication. How convenient. Yes. Now, Nick, what do you think uh, the science that the uh, civilization has is? I don't know. I'm going to say a milkshake machine. That's it. That's and the... she's like, I have to let them no. know. We can't destroy this place because we need to keep the milkshake machine. We need to be able to bring all the boys to the yard. Mm-hmm. And the boys, in this case, is peanut butter cup ice cream into my mouth. My mouth is the yard. Okay. Yep. It's very specific. Mm-hmm. That's how ice cream and milkshake should be, Nick. 
Just if you're not specific, it. then you could get something gross like like a rocky road milkshake. Ugh, who would want that? Too many too many chunks. Which is also my complaint about spaghetti sauce a lot of the time. Too many chunks, what? Nick. Oh, okay, so <laughs> Nick, go with me on this bit. Too many chunks in spaghetti sauce nowadays. What are we doing? Who do I talk to about this, Nick? Chunks of what? Of junk, of of stuff. You know, I want. I want. You mean the meat? Sometimes the meat, sometimes the veggies, Nick. That's the thing. The chunks are non-discriminatory, which is how I believe chunks should be. But I don't want the chunks <laughs> inside my sauce to begin with. <laughs> So who do I talk to, Nick? Should I send this directly up to the president? Or perhaps to Mr. Boyardee himself. <laughs> he's the one who's making all of this stuff, after all. <laughs> he, he's the source of all of these problems. Now, I don't know if I need to go over his head or not, but... This is an okay chapter, so... I, I want to make a note that, um, I mean, I don't know if we even really mentioned it last week, that was this was the reason that last week there was the big two page color spread. Doctor Stone's anime uh, debuted last week. Uh, I've I've seen the first episode. It seems really good so far. Uh, I'm really happy with how it has turned out, and I hope that this means that a lot more people are going to discover it because I think that it uh, is a good adaptation for uh, the first episode. At least is there an opening for it, or we usually get one opening in the second episode? I can't tell if there was an opening because they played a thing at the end, but I can't tell if that was the ending theme or if that was them playing the opening theme at the end. Uh, so it's pretty cool. I like it a lot more than Vinland Saga's opening theme, which eventually becomes appropriate in like the last 15 seconds of the 90 second opening. <laughs> it's like, oh, now it sounds like something that's kind of metal. There you go. <laughs> I've also seen the first episode, the hour-long debut of uh, Astro Lost in Space. So happy that uh, that's that's uh, out now. It's it's really good. So it's really weird. There's like I I I watch basically one anime a year for the last couple of years, which is just you know whatever season of My Hero Academia comes out. And this year it's like, oh my god, this is three anime in one season. I want to see now. I'm gonna Where become my an time anime. Go? <laughs> all right all seven right. deadly sins let's talk about seven deadly sins chapter 318 ambiguous fight yeah there's nothing ambiguous about this fight uh we cut back to the fight with melodius versus the demon lord uh there's some big combo attacks it's uh specifically a cool attack where melodius does his full counter and elizabeth does her uh her big like beam spell and basically, it's like a giant pillar beam called the uh, the God Eater. It's pretty cool. Um, but Melodius is taunting the Demon Lord, being like, okay, so you don't have full control over the body. Uh, you haven't been able to utilize your magic properly because of that. So really, you should just abandon your vessel and go back to Purgatory if you want to survive. Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, hmm... There's something hmm. about this, though, that doesn't feel right. So they go back to fighting. Uh, Melodius tries to contact Zell, uh, Zeldris from inside, and just basically be like, don't do as father says, you know, take yourself back, everything like that. Ans answer me, please. Uh, and Demon Lord starts fighting back. You know, he was kind of on the beating end of everything, but he's like, ah, your fist is weak. Your blade is dull. You want to rescue your little brother, don't you? So he gets kicked in the face. Uh, but he, you know, Demon Lord's thinking to himself, like, ah, now I know, you know, even though you have all this newfound power equal to that of a Demon Lord, rather than using it, 
You're 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 holding back because you want to protect your brother. And that is more proof than anything that you are a fool. And as it says this, the uh little tattoo symbol that Zeldris always had over his like face starts to appear. I don't know if that was his commandment symbol before or what specifically, but it's like sort of that symbol we'd see on Zeldris from time what, to time. Like the star thing? Yeah, like that little like curved tattoo thing. It's been on his head the entire chapter. Has it? So. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he just got his shit pushed in then. Yeah, it's I guess it bleeding. Is. That's why it looks like oh, it's appearing. It's, it's, it's bleeding more. I guess that's why I'm thinking it's like that. Ooh, it's like a gold dust match currently. Or, sorry, dust <laughs> match. Uh, it's fine chapter. It's it's funny to see to see the the demon king being like, ha ha, you're weak. Ow. <laughs> you fool. You'll never defeat me. My ribs. <laughs> Your blade is dull. Oh, please stop hitting me. <laughs> I'm my back. Yeah, there, I don't. I have literally nothing to say about this chapter. It was a fight scene, and the demon emperor think, seems to think that uh, he's got the advantage, even though Meliodas is wrecking his shit. Well, he, uh, he still so does. he's got something in the back pocket. He still does because he's, he knows now that Melodius won't kill him. Yeah. Because he's got he, nothing he's to fear. Wa- he, he wants to save Zeldris because he kills him then he kills Zeldris so he's like I kind of have the advantage here because you're not going to use your full power against me having an entire chapter dedicated to just that point is like all right we get action in it and I yeah yeah, it's just there let's move on to the promised Neverland it's chapter 141 the promise from a thousand years ago so it's time for a big history flashback time. Okay. Nick wasn't really expecting this. Were you like me? And when the uh, page showed up, that was all the characters, like the, the title page. You're like, who the fuck are these people? <laughs> no, I, actually, my reaction was like, are they supposed to look like Emma and Ray? <laughs> Norman? I mean, Definitely, I think the girl is supposed to look like Norman. Yeah, Yeah. I I think they're all they're intended to at least resemble them. Reminiscent. I mean, if not, it's definitely a subconscious thing because they look way too much like at least like Norma and Emma there to not be intentional. And of course, uh, the big barbarian in the back is Phil. (laughs) Like the the similarities between them is uncanny. Of course. Mm Hmm. So, now that's Gildacris. Oh, right, right. I see, because the glasses and the beard, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see it now. So The owl is Phil. <laughs> Just, like, perched there on Minerva's shoulders, like, who? Who, <laughs> you son of a bitch. I'm just imagining, like, you know, there was that uh, 2011, 2012 Winnie the Pooh movie where they had uh, like Greg Ferguson as Owl. If instead of him, it were it were Sean Connery. <laughs> Pooh, you fat son of a bitch. Stop eating all the goddamn honey. You, you fucking idiots. Keep on not being not being able to tell the difference between a fucking tree and a, and a half a lump. It's not how you it's not even how you say elephant, you Bastards. Honey is spelled H O N E Y. There's no you, you goddamn obese. Grammar Nazi Sean Connery. <laughs> He's just angry and bitter. 
There's a woman in this forest for me to slap. Kanga, get over here. <laughs> why are the, why is this forest such a fucking sausage fest? <laughs> Too many male stuffed animals. <laughs> oh, I love Sean Connery in like the ironic way. <laughs> right. Man talk. Anyway. Before we get to the big flashback, we have a little flashback to when Emma and company were discussing the promise and what they would have to do. Because uh, you know, Ray's like, all right, we're going to make a new promise. Uh, weird nose kid. I still haven't bothered to remember so many of these kids names. Is like, oh, but what kind of promise would we make? How do we do it? Uh, and Emma says, well, they actually gave us a hint regarding that. And they more holographic information. And Ray says, ah, there's more than one promise. Humans won't hunt demons. Demons won't hunt humans. They segregate the worlds. That was the promise that humans and the demon royal family made. The other is the promise that the humans and the demons made with Rola. And Ray's like, if we use that, we can make it and escape from the demon world. And so Emma says that she has, in the present, that she has come to make a new promise. And Rola says... Sure. And I was like, what? 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 That's it? What? Uh, okay, cool. No taxis, taxis. He says, however, I would like a reward in return. And we cut way back to the a meeting between Minerva and I guess the demon king or emperor or whatever, uh, who is imparting Minerva with information uh, that they must give Arla a reward, compensation to have the wish granted. If you wish to, if you want your wish granted, no matter what he asks for, do not reject it. And so we are being given the backstory of what happened leading up to that promise. Just over a thousand years ago, uh, we see this company of human soldiers in like, you know, medieval uh, wear with swords and stuff. And, uh, Commander Rotri, uh, I should I shouldn't have said Minerva. It was ancestor of the Rotri clan. Clan anyway. So Rotri, who's got his owl on his shoulder, uh, is talking with some of this, the others, and he's like, "All right, this is it. This is it. Once we get through them, if we can defeat them, this base will be ours. We'll be one step closer to peace. So let's go win and go home." <laughs> a bunch of fighting happens slashing and stabbing and it's a big two-page spread of just people fighting demons uh when the dust settles basically we see rotri uh, among the corpses of a bunch of his men and you know he's kneeling over them and uh then he gets back to base and speaks with some of his men who talk about how many people died wondering how long the war is going to go on one of them, the Ray-looking guy, says, we did take down the enemy base, so this is a victory. Uh, and the Emma-looking guy says, is there a chance that we can negotiate peace? And people are like, eh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Gilda guy says, we should fight to the bitter end, just like Gilda just would like do. Just like Gilda says. That's like her quote. So yeah, they're definitely supposed to be like at least spiritual successors to them, you know? Can you imagine, like, the meeting of the fellowship with, you know, the promised Neverland kids? You know, they're like, you have my sword and my bow and little girls and my axe. <laughs> Just drops on the table. Boom! And my axe! 
Sorry, <laughs> said too loud. Ah, oh, it's so hard to not I need all your weapons. I got my better memories. I'll just take this. You're, you're Give me the my... ring. Give me the ring now. I'm on it. You have my baby memories. But yeah, it would be perfect. He's like, I should marry the ring. They're like, well, we must give it to the most innocent among us. The one among us who would not be brought to temptation. That's me. They're like, Ray, you petty boarder. He's already got like a thought bubble above his head. They're like, Ray, you petty boarded to this meeting. I think that you're a little self-obsessed. That, that could be a weakness that the, the Sauron could exploit. Just, like, imagining himself on, like, the throne from the end of Gravity Falls with, like, the petrified human corpses in, in screaming poses. It's, it's the eye of Sauron, but instead of a big eye, it's just his face. And he's like, hey! Hey! You over there! 17 miles away! Shines the spotlight. Hey, orcs, go kill those guys! Hey! I have baby memories. And then he, like, turns around to the other side of the planet. Hey! You over there! Do you have baby memories? Good. Keep it that way. <laughs> Rotating around the planet, sassy people. Eventually, all the orcs are just like, just want to just like, good. Just go see if the humans and elves just like went a place like rummy or something. It's, this guy's really annoying. <laughs> the, entire, the entire horde of orcs just marches away. He doesn't seem very interested in fighting or conquering or wars or anything like that. He's just really interested in expressing his superiority to others. To everyone he sees. And and that's how I saved Middle Earth. Anyway. <laughs> They're like, Ray, that story took 44 hours. Also, you very intricately explained to us how you're going to betray us to use the <laughs> ring. Yeah, I know. Give me the ring, though. Also, what was the point of Tom Bombadil? <laughs> <laughs> Like, look, if we'd had more time for another movie, we could have used him. Oh, boy. So, anyway. Uh, Rotri says, well, maybe if we were to actually offer the demons a number of humans, then they would consider negotiating with us if they felt that they would not be completely deprived of their food. Uh, and so he's like, it's a will... We'll make an offer, and as we would, you know, just as we would give a seedling to a garden, so you can we can gain a fruit tree. Uh, you know, we would just like give up like criminals, slaves, uh, or those who revere the monsters, or take or tr betray us and take their side. And people are like, I don't know, this doesn't sound like you. It's you know, also very big morality questions here. And Raj is like. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, just forget, forget it. Yeah, this is a terrible idea. Um, and so the others are more are sympathetic to him, saying, "Like, look, you just care about what your soldiers are going through." Uh, the Emma-looking guy says, "Well, once we make such an offer, they may keep asking for more and more. So I guess that this is a bad idea, you know." But and then they have a big. Emma guy gives a big heroic speech saying, we met by coincidence on this field, and now we have transcended country and race to fight together. All of us white people. <laughs> Whether we choose peace or to battle it out, we aim to win for all of humankind without discrimination against countries, ranks, or ideologies. Let's protect all people. Everyone, we're almost there. Finally, a chance to win is in sight. We're going to end this war that's been going on for generations. Let's secure a world where we never fear being eaten. Yay! And we get some narration from Rotri's perspective. We're almost there. Just a little more. With irreplaceable comrades and a great mission, we're getting closer to victory. But then I remembered that a chance to win 
can easily be overturned in a second against those monsters. And holy shit, Luvis shows up. Pre-promised Luvis, who's looking fucking ripped. <laughs> I have 78 abs. <laughs> yeah, skips leg day, dude. Kills everyone, basically. <laughs> and is very happy about it. Uh, and he just kills literally everyone except for Rotri. And uh, and Rotri's out. Who? Uh, and Rot- Luvis stares down at Rotri. His mask has this big evil grin on it. And he says, all that's left, that's you. And Rotri goes, oh. You can you like see the exact moment that he pisses his pants. But then we get the big moment of the chapter, which is that was when I realized I'm tired. I want to go home. I'm sick of this for the people, for the soldiers. I don't care. I'm tired. It'll end soon. When will that be? It's all an illusion. We're fooling ourselves right now. When victory is in our sights, isn't this the perfect opportunity to end this now? I have to be the one to do it. Sword down, removes his helmet and says, Grand Duke Luvis, please take me to your king. I would like to propose a deal. I like the twist in this that, oh, it was not some, you know, we are killing each other thing. It was not some uh, act of nobility or necessity. It's just one dude. Decided, you know what, this fucking sucks. I'm sick of fighting. Let's make peace. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> War blows. War sucks. Hey, don't eat us, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um I do like it. I we're gonna see I guess how this goes because we uh Promise Neverland has been sort of hit or miss when it comes to like doing backstories and making me care about new characters mm-hmm. and a, there's a part of me that's a little annoyed that maybe it's not specifically a trio being represented here but it is 100 percent a character is supposed to be like well this is past emma <laughs> like who looks very similar to her and has almost all of the exact same opinions it's like I could have gathered that other people like he could have had that character there and not had to be like, well, he also looks exactly like Emma as well. <laughs> so unless that maybe that character shows up again, there's more to do with him. Uh, but it feels weird to include them otherwise. Yeah. Um. So. I guess we'll see how the hell what the hell direction this goes in the idea of uh, like the criminals and slaves being given over to the demons is an interesting one. And I wonder how much of that's going to stick if this is going to like be where the roots of current humanity lie in uh, that they are the descendants of basically society's rejects. And so humanity's got a little bit of a something to answer for when they get over to the other world. But we'll see. I mean, they already have to answer for the fact they still own slaves at this point, too. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess they've got that to worry about. Black Clover. All right, let's talk about Black Clover. Page 211. uh, The final attack, which is what the chapter is about. But first, we got to talk about the results of the popularity poll. In that uh, second, starts it out with, and he was 20th before, and he's dropped to 54th now. 
Uh, and then it's a bunch of characters. Uh, pretty much everybody you'd expect who's on there. Uh, and Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte's sixth. Uh, Gauche's tenth is maybe the most surprising one that's on there. Mary Liliana really. is like fifth. I guess it's only surprising because everyone else on here is pushed by the story as being supremely cool and mega awesome, and Gauche is only sort of pushed that way. Uh, I guess the other one would be Mimosa, and you're like, girl. So yeah. I presume that's why it's there. But it's, it's more female representation in popularity than you see from a lot of big shonen battle series. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a it's like a pure five for five split between the top mm-hmm. ten. So, uh, anyways, we go to the chapter then, and uh, all the characters are getting ready for this. We know that Yuno and Asta have uh, both told each also, other. Also, but to be uh, the before wizard. we get into oh. that. Zoro was not in the top 10 for the Japanese, but he was like seventh in uh, English readers. So good job, guys. There you go. Yeah, we did it. Um, so, uh, you know, and Ask told each other they both want to be the Wizard King. So they both got a lot stronger. What? Uh, but that's fine. Chris, we're in chapter 211, not chapter 53. Come on. Oh, like, well, don't worry, Nick, because that was last chapter. This chapter, they do something different. So, uh they're like, well, we got to fight him. So Yudo says to Asta, if you can't keep up, then I'm leaving you behind. I don't know if they did the same thing again. Uh, and uh, they both are encouraged by each other's mutual uh, encouragement, I guess, question mark, to fight back uh, the demon. The devil's like, oh, you're all lowly humans. You can't possibly do this. Oh, they're doing it. Oh, uh, yeah. He's like, ah, oh, look at this idiot speeding straight towards me, like, in the most direct pattern. He must be a big idiot. Oh, my God, there's someone behind me. Oh, what? Someone came behind me. What? Ah, <laughs> oh, I know I can literally make eyes everywhere, but ah, oh, they strike him. And he's very hurt because they both have swords at castle, but basically he can't, like, get away from. But they've hit their limit. Asked to, like, like the, the one-winged angel form, or whatever he does, like disappears, and he's like, ah, I've hit my limit. And uh, that's when Yami, from fucking everywhere away, is like, I'm gonna do this. And Elf Charlotte's like, you can't do this. And he's like, but I think I will. And we get a little flashback to when the Wizard King recruited him. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I I don't think you should add make me a captain. I feel like it's a really bad idea. He's like, no, I think you guys are going to do great. He's like, but no, you don't understand. I f- I'm going to make things worse. <laughs> and he's like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> well, now if you'll excuse me, I need to write a very sad letter to uh, a good friend of mine who's who died and his son's around. You know, what oh, are you going to offer to adopt him? Do you know where the son is? No. <laughs> Not to say it, I don't. I guess I shouldn't even bother with the letter then. <laughs> it just rips it off and throws it away. <laughs> uh, so Yami does his big strong magic attack and it slices it, literally just bisects the devil right down the middle. Uh, vertically, that's the way you'd say it. Uh, right down the middle. And he's like, ah, shit. And we realize that dark magic can interfere with, quote, the other world. Good to know that we're yeah. Just keep on keep on uh, expanding that uh, type of vantage wheel whenever you need something uh, big and dramatic to happen. It's not you know repetitive or we're ever gonna just like have this stuff just like be you know established and then stop. Was by the way, my magic has an affinity that works against this magic because that's all that magic is is you know knowing that electricity is is uh has no effectiveness against ground but it's doubly effective against water and flying. So mm. so. 
uh, the demon has, or the devil has been bisected. And then, uh, the fuck's the bird? Nero. Nero runs up and uses her very ambiguously defined ceiling magic to be like, I sealed away your physical damage. Go! <laughs> I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> Why didn't you just give her healing magic? Ceiling magic's such bullshit. I sealed away your ability to die. Now you live forever. <laughs> uh, and Ast is like, oh, I, I guess I gotta try. And she's like, well, you're gonna be the wizard king, aren't you? And he's uh, like, uh, I guess I will power up! <laughs> he gets a big giant sword and he cuts straight through the devil and he wins. Well, it ends with him slashing the devil. Well, Nick, the chapter is called Final Battle. And if I know one thing from reading series and Recommong Recap recently, if you name a chapter the final one, then there certainly isn't anything to happen after that. Right. Uh, so I have a particular uh, issue with this chapter that's kind of weird. Okay, uh, go for it. It's, you know, didn't do anything. <laughs> and now that's that's not something that I personally have a problem with. But in terms of structure, it feels weird that we set up the end of the last chapter by saying, Yudo and Yami and Asta are going to work together and they're going to defeat the devil. And Yuno's barely in this chapter. Like, he has the moment where he turns back to Asta and he says, you're never going to keep up with me. And they work together to attack the devil. And then it doesn't work. And then Yami has his flashback. He has his character moment. He has his big attack that has, that stops the devil and gives Asta the opening to attack. And Asta gets Sekra's acknowledgement and help. And then he surpasses limits and gets what seems to be the final blow in. And Yuno was there too. But Yuno is just as important. Yeah, so Yuno is technically there for a lot of it. We do see him in shots. But it's basically like, oh, what would be the devil doing while all this conversation is happening? Oh, well, Yuno's distracted by using an attack or something like that. You're like, oh, okay. Because I guess we need that. You know, it's very important that we, we show that. Um. Uh, I mean, it's the same problem we've had with this series for, you know, 200 chapters now, where it's like, you know, and Asta both wanting to be a wizard, the Wizard King isn't a full relationship. There, mm -hmm. there needs to be something like Do you remember, like early on, there was the thing with, you uh, know,'s necklace and Asta, you know, when, you know, was getting bullied, backed him up and stuff. There is more to their relationship then just they both want to be wizard king it's just never brought up ever like you sit there and you, i know the easy thing is to compare this series to naruto because there were a lot of similarities at it on the onset but i mean you would just compare it to that series where like sasuke and naruto have this kind of fight and it makes sense why sasuke or naruto is like driven forward by sasuke because he sees things in Sasuke that he wants. Everyone thinks Sasuke's cool and he wants the approval of the entire village. Sakura thinks Sasuke's hot. He has a crush on Sakura. So, like, the small little things there about why they're able to pull something out of each other makes sense. But in this, I'm like, they're both friends. Neither one seems to have anything the other one wants. They're both kind of at the same place. So, 
like I understand they're friends and you could be like, well, yeah, your friend would surely pick you up in the heat of this battle. But why it's constantly the big thing that always starts them like this is the precipice or the, the precursor to every power up asked to get recently is like, oh, I, how am I going to feat this guy? And then, you know, shows up and it's just like, well, I'm going to be the wizard king. I'm going to be the wizard king. And it's ah, bigger swords. You're like. There needs to be something, man. There needs to be something in this relationship that actually drives that feeling forward, you know? Yeah. But hey, you did it, guys. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let's uh the next chapter on Friday? Uh apparently we're getting the chapters early this week, yes. Sweet. Yeah. One piece. Chapter 948, Introducing Kawamatsu the Kappa. Yep. So, Luffy has a chance to uh, take over the jail now that Queen and a lot of his guards are not there. Uh, and so, he basically resumes his hockey training with uh, Hyogoro watching over him. And uh, he's, all the guards are, you know, surrounding him with swords and stuff. And Luffy's like, look at how many sparring partners I have. I'm bound to figure this out now. <laughs> Uh, Okiku and uh, Chopper are watching things from the background, trying to figure out what to do. Chopper's like, why isn't Luffy running away? What <laughs> he could escape right now. Uh, the chief warden, uh, they're like, hey, the other guys are like, shouldn't we get the prisoners back into their cells quickly? And he's like, that won't be necessary. And he shouts out to the prisoners, your friend Luffy Taro is leading a violent rampage. You must subdue him. And Luffy's like, what are you talking about? And they do. They pile on top of him and grab his ar arms and legs. And they start whispering to him when he's like, what are you doing? And he, and he says, hey, yeah, we hate Kaido's followers. And yeah, it was great to see you fighting back. But this is it. You know, Kaido and Orochi rule all of Wano. Trying, you know, escaping won't make a difference. 20 years ago, we fought to avenge the death of Kozuki Odin, daimyo of Kuri, but Kaido the pirate crushed us. We lost our families and comrades. We were beaten into submission, and when we saw Lord Yasuye's execution, all of the old terror and despair flooded back. Leaving this place will not give us our homes back or food to fill our bellies. There is no freedom to be found anywhere in this country anymore. You're an outsider from across the sea. You can run and fight all you like, but that's your choice to make. Don't drag us into your decision. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. So this is a challenge that has to be overcome. This chapter is now instead of just fighting the battle, they've got to win the will of the people. Um, we also see uh, that there are some prisoners who are getting shot with poison with uh, the with plague bullets by some of the other guards. Uh, including this dude with a scorpion tail on his head. Uh, and he's uh, being a real douchebag about it. Uh, spreading plague between people with bullets. That's how that works, right? Virus bullets. Yeah. And of course, he mocks Luffy, saying that their will to resist has been broken for a long time. So Luffy's like, oh, if, I, if only I could say everything, they change their minds. Uh, but at that moment... Uh, there is an odd laugh that breaks out. It's an Oda laugh of ka pa 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 And uh, the voice says, you tell them, tell them that they've got one last chance. And 
emerging from the broken cell. Well, not quite emerging yet. People were like, oh, right, that cell got broken. Uh, I thought, I kind of just, what, what should we do? Uh, well, um, and the warren says, go kill him. We can say he died in an accident. <laughs> Uh, he says, the man inside of there is one of the Akazaya Nine. And uh, so Kawamatsu has, his cell's been broken open, but he's still in the sea stone cuffs. So he's still kind of helpless. So a few guards go inside to kill him. And uh, then, of course, Rise of the Ninja shows up. And he spits some poison darts at a few guards. Uh, or rather, he doesn't spit anything. Um... Kawamatsu defends himself by spitting some of the poison fish bones at people because he could do that. I do like that. Yeah. Raizo delivers him the key to his cuffs and his katana, Sotomuso, which uh, has no uh, handguard. Kawamatsu says, hey, do you like sumo wrestling? Fuck, if this is a Roni Kenshin, there'd be seven chapters spent on why the fact his sword has no fucking guard on it. Like, until you mentioned it, it's like, fuck, I forgot how long that series would spend on fucking hand guards and bullshit, but still be like, I swing my sword hard enough to create a vacuum that sucks you in. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't think you need to be so specific on this if you were just going to be bullshit afterwards. Immediately, Kamatsu sends the guards sent to kill him flying. And uh, Raizo, observing this, says, if your feet come off the ground, you'll lose. It seems that Kawamatsu has not lost a step after all this time. Uh, and Kawamatsu emerges and while saying, like swimming against the rapids of the Great River, they call this Kappa style. And he does another technique, charges through a bunch of enemies, and he is a Kappa. Little froggy dude with a beak. And he actually announces himself uh, while saying that, you know, I heard the poisonous fish was a delicacy, but Jesus Christ, that really hurts. <laughs> I have persevered eating it for 13 long years. So compared to the suffering of my Lord, this was but a pleasant breeze. How I have awaited this moment. Kawamatsu the Kappa joins the battle. Ah, <laughs> uh, shit. Gets a, like a Smash Brothers intro. Yeah, I was like, ah, shit. Banjo-Kazooie and Kawamatsu in the same game. I'm pretty pumped. I remember being a kid and being like, wouldn't it be cool if if, uh, if Banjo-Kazooie, Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy, and Kawamatsu could fight each other in the same game? That'd be so dope. And then someone was like, well, you can put Ness in there, too. I was like, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. <laughs> but Captain Falcon from a racing game who's never been outside of his car? That would be cool. He's a bounty hunter. <laughs> in the same way, every character from F-Zero had lore to it that was all like, I don't know, his sick sister needs medicine, so he drives the most dangerous race car in existence to get it. Anyway, this show got an anime. <laughs> I keep forgetting it did. Oh, man. Oh, Falcon, Falcon punching, The I mean, in addition to just Falcon punching, but the Falcon punch clip was a meme for a while. <laughs> I know. I, the, that's how I know that show existed. Shinizo! Kawamatsu's full name is Yokozuna Kawamatsu. Because sumo. Mm. I don't know what that has to do with the sword, but anyway. He is one of the Akazaya Samurai. Uh, and immediately, uh, Okiku and Raizo come rushing in to embrace him. Embrace him. Uh, he throws up, um, which freaks out more of the guards. Uh, the... <laughs> I didn't even see this the first time. 
<laughs> the warden shouts out to everyone to prepare their playgrounds. Meanwhile, the elephant in his chest is eating a banana. <laughs> yeah, it's just chowing down. Uh, everyone gathers around Luffy. Uh, not just uh, not just Chiogro, but also Raizo and Kawamatsu and Okiku and Chopper is there too. And Hyogro takes charge of the situation, uh, saying uh, that Kiku and Raizo should show everyone who they are. So Raizo removes the his little bandit mask, and Okiku puts on her Oni mask. It has big horns on it, and this allows people to recognize them as more members of the Yakuzaya Samurai. And Hyogro says the first step is to gain to gain their trust is to show them we are not mere ghosts and memories. And everyone recognizes that mask. I thought he died at Odin Castle. Isn't that the mask of the most handsome swordsman of Wano? Kikunojo of the Fallen Snow. And Chopper's like, you're a man? And, and Kiku says, this one is a woman at heart. And Luffy says, that mask is scary. <laughs> we have a much less offensive trans character in One Piece now. So there you go. Uh, anyway, everyone is recognizing all the people who have, who have appeared now, uh, including Fukuroku-ju, Fukuroku-ju's, I did get that right the first time, Rival Ninja, Rise of the Mist, the samurai and most powerful of sumo wrestlers, Yokozuna Kawamatsu, and the old man with them is really who we thought, Hyogro of the Flower, then who is Luffy Taro? And then we get a shot of Chopper also standing there looking serious, and then... This, this conversation moves on as the Warren's like, uh, looks like Orochi's ramblings were true. And Chopper's like, wait, what about me? <laughs> He's not even in his pet form. He's in his heavy point right now. <laughs> uh, and Kiku at that moment says, now that you have seen us, we demand your silence. And that's where this chapter ends. It's a big reunion of a lot of members of the samurai group teaming up with uh, Hyogoro and Luffy. So... Cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the the final like quasi two page spread. is a very cool visual mm-hmm. of seeing like four of the Samurai Nine there, and then Luffy there as well. It's a very cool sort of visual, and I'm kind of excited to see when we get to see like all of them together in the same mm-hmm. sort of fight. We also get a proper look at how uh, large uh, Kalmatsu is because uh, he looked kind of short when he was just standing on his own. But no, he is bigger than Luffy. He is definitely sumo wrestler sized. It so. is. It is very much that like this is how just Oda draws like proportions where it's like, oh, Okiku towers over them. And then you forget that like. Raizo and then Kawamatsu just have these giant, huge physiques. So even though their bodies are kind of condensed and squished, they're still also like nine feet tall, apparently, right. or something like that. You're like, all right, cool. I do love seeing all the different looking characters all gathered together. And of course, you know, they're, they're all in battle poses with their swords drawn. And uh, Raizo's got his ninja scroll clutched in his teeth. And yeah, it's a very cool cool. chapter. Yippers. All right. That is going to do it for Weekly Mug Recap. So what were our favorites this week, Chris? Uh, hmm. It's a little bit tough this time because there's quite a few good chapters, but not a lot of like, oh, amazing chapters. So I think I'm going to give it to the chapter I enjoyed the most, which is going to be we uh, not we never learned. Sorry. My Hero Academia, uh, which I thought was uh 
particularly strong. Uh, but my character of the week is is like that's a clear decision for me, and that's Redestro. I think Redestro looked extremely mm. cool this week. I like seeing this mm. power upgrade artistically. I think he's one of the coolest uh, characters we've seen in like Horikoshi draw in my hero yet. Uh, I'm gonna give it to the Promised Neverland just because out of everything that I read this week, having the revelation of like, yeah, so the decision to make a deal with the demons was just because one guy was fucking sick of fighting. And that's it. He, it was not like they had a grand council meeting that that, that they decided to do. No, one soldier in the army, when he was the last one left on the battlefield and there was nobody there to say, this is a bad idea. It was just like, hey, can I meet with your king and make a deal so that we don't have to fight anymore? <laughs> um, and who's your MVP? Uh... I'm going to give it to uh, Estelle and make our and make our uh, listeners happy. I, I just like the moment of her having the honest conversation with Ryunosuke saying it's like, hey, you know, look, when I was in your situation, I was really broken up. So there's you don't need to put on a tough face for me. Uh, cementing her role as not needing to be this little girl who needs to grow up, but being an older member of their group who has been through a lot of the same experiences and is able to actually offer that kind of. Uh, relatable mentorship to him. So. Mm, very good. Now, Nick, you did miss the boat, though, on the audience Estelle voting because she didn't get a single vote this week, unfortunately. Really? Yeah. Uh, but the winners were for the audience was My Hero Academia, and then uh, people wanted to give it to Shigaraki for MVP, which I can understand. I just thought Redemption totally get that cool. too. Yeah. There we go. All right. Guys, thank you for listening to Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show on Wednesdays around 7.30 to 8 Eastern Time here on twitch.tv slash T and smashcast.tv slash T. But sometimes we do need to change things up, especially as Nick's schedule fluctuates with classes and stuff. Uh, so to follow along with that and learn when in the week we are going to record in case it happens at a different time, you can follow us on Twitter at Rolotzi, at Nick F Time, and the official podcast account is at WMR Podcast. If you would like to get in touch with us, suggest a manga for us to read. If you want to ask us a question, if you want to just give us general feedback, you can either email us weeklymangarecap.yahoo.com or you can check out our Discord channel. Uh, that has... Uh, bunch of chat rooms in it that are dedicated to discussing manga including uh, you can find the spreadsheet that ninja x3i has set up for us that keeps track of all the recommendations this one that we're the one that we are currently working on which is jojo part five the ones that people have already suggested which you can chip in on and say hey i also want to hear what you have to say about this or you can look your back on on the what 200 series that we've covered thus far or something like that so that way you don't have to say like hey what do you think of this? You can just go find the episode and listen to that one. Uh, that also has stuff for uh, year-end rewards, uh, like favorite two-page spread, like we were talking about uh, during One Piece. Uh, so if you have nominations for that or votes for that you want to throw in on, you can put it on that same spreadsheet. Yeah, I cannot recommend it enough, guys. If you're mm -hmm. interested, if you like listening to this podcast and you like kind of hearing the thoughts and things like that at the end, it is it is definitely in your interest to check it out and put your vote in because then you get to like kind of sharing the conversation you get to talk about the pod the manga with other people as well so if you're into like a cool manga community to talk about mm -hmm. some of a series on it's a great place to go 
Special thanks go out to our Patreon supporters. Your support allows us great fun bonus content for you guys to enjoy. And, of course, the people who help out with the podcast. Steve Manor, Tower Car Artist, Infamous Planet, uh, Winsleydale Cheddar, Milo Stillitz, who created the opening sequence for us. And you can check out uh, those last two guys on YouTube.com slash Winsleydale Cheddar and SoundCloud.com slash Milo-Jack-Stillitz. Mm-hmm. And that's it. All right, Nick. Let's go hit that dusty trail together, Nick. Hop on my back. Are you the horse? Yes, I'm the horse from Old Town Road. By the way, so uh, you know the the DJ Cumberbund guy on YouTube, right? Does the covers. Uh, He did one on Old Town Road mixed with uh, Stains. It's been a while. It's right in that wheelhouse. I'm like, okay. I see that. You're like, oh, okay. You know, it's a little bit different from till like two thirds the way in. And then I was like, you know, if you didn't like know it, I wouldn't think it's a DJ Carbon. And then Macho Man goes, oh, yeah. And then Nirvana <laughs> pops in. And I was like, yeah, OK, now I, now I can tell. It's always like the trademark DJ Cumberbund side to be like halfway through the music video. It's like, why is Macho Man in this? Because I always show like sometimes I find a good one. I'm like, I want to show you this. And they're like, why is why are there videos of Hulk Hogan and Macho Man hanging out? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's this thing. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it, everyone. Goodbye.